We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by both of my co-hosts, Andrew Mertig and Maggie Loney. We're back for another Friday edition of the podcast. How are you guys doing this week? Really good. Two huge, huge things for today. Number one, there is a Packers game today, right? Like, we get to talk about football after months and months of uh, football-adjacent topics. And also, we found out yesterday that the NFC Championship game against the Buccaneers was apparently not Aaron Rodgers' fault. Blameless. I don't think you saw the Twitter beef. Anyways, Maggie, how are you doing? I'm always nervous to follow Andrew when you ask us how we're doing because I never know what he's going to say. I'm great. (laughs) I'm doing well. When you Kyle know, is reading the intro, I'm thinking of what I'm going to say. It's terrifying. It's, yeah. The intro never changes, but Andrew always does. And it's a terrible, terrible, terrible mixture. Um, is that all that you have to say, Andrew? Or are we, are we moving on? 
that that's it. We can talk about the Bengals now. All right. Okay, let's get back on track here. Of course, we did get the family night practice last week, and those of us who aren't local were only able to catch bits of pieces of that, depending on what clips were shared on Twitter. Uh, but tomorrow night is the Packers' first preseason game. Of course, they will square off against those Cincinnati Bengals after holding joint practices with them this week. It's going to be a lot of fun. As Andrew said, we are arriving at real football after football-adjacent conversations. I like the way you put that. And even though it is the preseason, we're here to help you guys get ready to watch this game. And rather than doing what we've normally done with our normal key matchups and X-Factors, we thought it would be more useful to you as listeners to give you the position groups we're most intrigued by right now and some players that we'll be watching extra closely in this first preseason contest. Because if we are being honest, The preseason isn't so much about who wins at the end of the game. It's more about watching the roster battles within the game and evaluating individual performances as the Packers try to make their determinations of who's going to make this roster at the end of the day. So let's start with those position groups. What groups are you guys going to have your eye on as we watch this football game tonight? Yeah, so peek behind the curtain for the listeners. Uh... We put together a script just to make sure that we don't pick all of the same groups for everything, right? Um, And uh, I made the script this week, and then I didn't put anything in it. And so (laughs) I got to it last, and this is what I was left with. The laziest of all of the positions to take in the preseason, the wide receivers. Because, you know, in fairness, everybody is always excited to talk about the wide receivers, but I like to pick something usually a little bit... Uh, more subtle than that. And and I think, in fairness, this is the most interesting the wide receiver position has been in Green Bay for about 12 years. We don't have an established star and then, like, some other young players that you're looking to prove. Everybody's young. So will Watson and Dobbs avoid big drops in their limited time that we know have plagued them throughout training camp? Who will shine between Jaden Reed and Samari Toure in competing for that third wide receiver spot? Where are Dontavian Wicks and Grant DuBose after each missing some time? And who is going to be the depth guy to make a big name during the preseason and then make Goody's day really difficult when it comes down to cuts? Yeah, so I'm going to take the safeties. And I just, I'm curious, honestly, how playing time is divided here. We know going into camp that the incumbents, Darnell Savage and Rudy Ford, were the leaders in the clubhouse there. And now it sounds like Jonathan Owen is getting a deserved long look for a starting role coming from the Texans. It's a crowded room. You know, beyond those three guys, there's the special teams ace, uh, a Rich Basaccia favorite in Dallin Levitt. Tarverius Moore, who signed in free agency from the 49ers, who also has a ton of special teams experience. Seventh round draft pick Anthony Johnson Jr. Practice squad holdover for a couple seasons now, Enos Gaines. And then undrafted free agent Benny Sapp III. So the Packers have traditionally only kept four or five safeties on the roster to start the season. So those last one or two maybe spots I think are going to be like a real competition. So I'm, I'm waiting to see who gets the starting looks and who gets the bulk of the playing time in week one. Yeah, a safety spot is going to be really interesting to see how it develops over these next couple weeks in these games in the preseason. I'm not going to lie here. I think I'm most interested to see how the Packers deploy their offensive line in this game. And so I'll be watching that group pretty closely. I, I don't think we'll see much from Bakhtiari for obvious reasons. 
But the right tackle spot is very much a conversation right now between Zach Tom and Yash Nyman. And Jordan Love was very complimentary of Tom at tackle really recently within the last couple of days. And that's interesting because if Tom is a tackle, then he obviously can't be at center, which is the other place where he's been making some noise. So Tom is currently listed as the starting right tackle on the Packers depth chart, but it could just be, uh, they may find that it makes more sense to play him at center in order to get the best five guys on the field and into the game. So I'll be watching to see where and when Zach Tom is on the field tonight, uh, but I'll also be watching to see how some of these other depth guys perform, right? We've heard Sean Ryan has been having a really good camp. Rasheed Walker has some fans. So it's going to be fun to watch the offensive line play Friday night and not just the starters. This is a fun group overall. Yeah, and so we are going to transition into players to watch. And um, while the position groups are certainly important, we want to know which individuals are we mostly intrigued to see uh, come Friday night. And we'll talk about uh, who we're going to have our eyes on during the preseason game. Maggie, why don't you go first? Yeah, so I'm going to look at Malik Heath. We had Aaron Nagler on earlier this week when we did packs, what she said. And he said that Heath has stood out a ton in camp. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was also one of the guys that flew out to California to work out with Jordan Love and Romeo Dobbs and Aaron Jones, all the guys that were out there. So there's probably four locks, I think you could argue, on this roster already as far as that wide receiver room that Andrew talked about earlier. You've got Watson, Dobbs, Reed. And then I think Dontavian Wicks is probably in that conversation as being a roster lock, the fourth receiver, which means that there's one or two spots likely up for grabs at this point. So Samori Toure is probably in the conversation there, probably the front runner for that fifth spot. But I want to see more of Malik Heath. It sounds like he's kind of sneaking into the conversation here as being on some radars as a camp darling. All right. So I'm going to go with Carrington Valentine here. And it's kind of rare for a seventh round rookie to generate as much buzz as Valentine has in just a couple weeks of camp, right? But he's been impressive, especially considering his draft capital as a seventh round pick. And we know we're not gonna see much, if any, of Jair Alexander in this football game, which means Valentine is gonna get plenty of time to get comfortable out there on the field. I think the Packers know that they have studs in Jair and in Douglas, and I think they feel really good about Stokes once he's back. But if Valentine proves to be a startable player as a fourth corner for this team. That would be huge for the depth in this cornerback room. So I'll be watching to see if he can live up to the hype uh, in this game on Friday night. Um, Andrew put the script together. He also has a dig here in, in the in the script because I stole this guy. Carrington Valentine was one of Andrew's guys throughout the draft process. And he's very mad at me and really wants me to read something ridiculous here in the middle of script. I, uh, I thought I could get to Ron <laughs> Burgundy you and you would just you yeah. would just read about how great I am at evaluating talent. But, you yeah. know, we try. All right. The, the I, script says, my name is Kyle Fellows. I steal other people's stuff. Andrew and Mel Kuyper Jr. loved Carrington Valentine in the draft process. But I feel like I should talk about him because I'm a jerk. If you think about it, Andrew Mertick is kind of like the Mel Kuyper of our generation, an NFL draft genius with great hair. <laughs> so all, all fair points. All, I, all I'm there. glad you came. Like that's not what the script says at all for the listeners. Kyle just said that because he means it. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, 
So since I don't get to talk about Carrington Valentine today, uh, I am going to mention Sean Clifford. Uh, and I have been concerned really all offseason about the potential for a bad backup quarterback and their play to really mess with the development of some of the young wide receivers and tight ends uh, during the preseason. But there have been some pretty solid reviews of Clifford. He's a huge talent, big arm, pretty good athlete who has just really, really brutal tape from Penn State. But we have seen quarterbacks in similar situations develop into solid backups, and I'm super intrigued to see what his command of the offense looks like and how he handles the pressure of leading the second unit for what I will assume is going to be the majority of the game, and that is going to make a big difference for how we feel about some of those really important depth pieces on offense. I'm going to talk about Anders Carlson, and I think everybody's going to have their eyes on him, right? It sounds like he's making the same mistakes pretty consistently in camp, with most of those being his first kick of practice being a miss and being wide right. So I want to see how he looks when he's forced into live game action against an opposing unit that is actively trying to get after him and block these kicks. Brian Gutekunstino had said that he's willing to live with growing pains. Matt LaFleur said similarly. But I think tonight, you know, when the, the lights are on and the, the stage is set, we'll we'll get the sense whether or not Goody can live with some of these mistakes or if he's going to have Mason Crosby on speed dial um, kind of going into the latter couple weeks of the preseason. And I, I know next to nothing about kicking, but I would think if it's anything like golf, it's better to be consistently off in the same direction. Yeah, Like I a think. correctable <laughs> mistake than like me out on the golf course where I'm shanking it every way right uh and like you just can't even figure out what the problem is and you would hope rich bisaccio would have pretty good control over that i'm glad maggie clarified because when she said that like anders was making the same mistakes pretty consistently like she went and explained like what that was but i just thought she was going to say that he was missing like that was the mistake because <laughs> that like, is a mis- that's a mistake like <laughs> kicking is relatively simple like does it go through the, the post or like no but like no i appreciate that's that is a trend wide right we'll have to see if, if he can correct that and pull that back lots a little bit and i've heard that it's only like the first kick of camp and then he makes the next like five or six like it's the first kick and it's wide right and then he corrects it so not something that you can have happen in an actual game. You can't yeah. have three or one point every time he kicks, but really interesting. And you'd think Rich knows about it and is working on it. You can, though, if the other team is trying to ice the kicker. So right. if we can just get the other Always team to call, yeah, call that timeout, get that practice kick, and then we'll be good to go. Send him out on the field in warm-ups. Give him one kick. Wide right. All the rest of them should go in, right? That, that's a really easy solution. They should make me a coach. Why aren't we coaches? Like, right. yeah. <laughs> We're psychologists, like one of the other. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, so I'm going to talk about Luke Musgrave, and I don't anticipate seeing a whole lot of him, but I am really curious how he's going to look in limited reps. Is Musgrave like most other rookie tight ends and is going to have a really tough year in front of him? Or is he just that much better of an athlete that we could see a middle-of-the-field stretcher who can contribute right away? We've seen videos coming out of training camp and and some of the practices that indicate that, yeah, maybe he can just be a really good pass catcher and you'll live with the lumps that he needs to take in the blocking game. Um, Or, you know, maybe that's just things that we're seeing as highlights and consistently he's going to struggle like most rookie tight ends do. If Cincy does play their first string linebackers for the first couple of series, I think Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt would be a great test for Musgrave in his first NFL gaming experience. And I'm just really intrigued to see how he looks. Yeah, he's going to be a really fun one to see if he can live up to the hype because there is a lot of it around Luke Musgrave right now. And that would be great for this offense if he could hit in any way close to what they're projecting right now or what the stories are telling us about Luke Musgrave. But my last one here is Devontae Wyatt, and it sounds like Kenny Clark and Lucas Van Ness have been super impressive in camp, and it's sounding like that has carried over to these practices with the Bengals. Devontae Wyatt is kind of that final piece to the puzzle. If Green Bay has a healthy Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, and Lucas Van Ness, Kenny Clark, of course, in the middle, that is a great group. Now, if the guy next to Clark becomes an impact player, then you're in really good shape, right? And so I'll be watching to see if the second-year Georgia product has taken that next step. We've heard good things from camp. We've heard coaches say that he's made the jump. But now we hopefully get to see it on the field in a game. So I'll be watching number 95 to show up in this one. And if he does, I think you kind of start to feel more and more optimistic about how good this Packers defense could actually be coming into the season. Yeah, we know that. In in the modern NFL, if you can get home with four rushers, your defense is set up to be really, really good, right? So the yeah. Packers can f- fix the, uh, you know, biggest problem that they have in just stopping the run and stop getting gashed by the run. Um, if, if they can set up, f- you know, four of the five players you mentioned, and, and that's not even talking about some of the rotational help that they're going to have. Um, and really get to the quarterback with four or maybe at times five, then you're starting to cook because you you can let some of that really great talent that you have at corner uh, thrive and go ball hawk and stuff. So we we do have a little bit of time left, and I did not prepare either of you for this. I'm terrified. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. It's scary when Andrew goes off script. I want to know, do you each have one, like, hot take for the NFL season? This does not need to be Packers related. Could be if you wanted to. Um, Maybe it's something to do with an NFL award, maybe a player performance, somebody you think is going to come out of nowhere. Um, I have one for you, and I think this is pretty spicy. I think we're going to see a massive regression from Jalen Hurts this year. I, I, I think he's going to go from a guy who's being talked about as a potential top five quarterback in the league. And I think people are going to think of him more as a like 10 to 15 kind of quarterback at the end of the year. I, I just I thought a lot of the stuff that was happening last year was very fluky. I think his run first mentality is something that I think opposing defensive coordinators with some time are going to be able to scheme up. He's lost his offensive coordinator. There's some changes on that team that I think are being undersold a little bit on the defensive side of the ball, which helped them out so much and took so much pressure off of Hurts. Plus, now he's the big money guy, the face of the franchise. I I don't know. Maybe I look stupid at the end of the year. I just think that Jalen Hurts was a little oversold this past offseason. That would make me feel a lot better about when I traded Jalen Hurts for Russell Wilson in some some fantasy leagues, but I don't know if I'm quite there with you. I do think some passing efficiency will regress to the mean for him, um, like based on what he was two years ago. I think he's made progress, but I do think that there is some of that that will come back a little bit, um, but I'm a little bit more optimistic about Hurts than you are. This for me, and again, like I... I this is off the top of my head. I'm curious if we see a little bit of a jump from Mac Jones this year. And I know that that's like not a super sexy thing to think or to say, but that offense was a disaster last year. They were missing pieces. The coaching was a nightmare. I mean, there was obviously tension between him and some of his coaches last year. I don't know that Mac Jones is ever going to be like a top eight, top 10 quarterback in the league. But I do think they have pieces there. And I think if he can be on the same page as his coaches going into the season, I think we may think of him less as someone that the Patriots need to replace um, in the next couple of years and someone that they can surround, especially if they want to build a running game and go that way. So I'm just curious. I'm not like, you know, uh, a Mac Jones truther. And there's a lot of people who think that Bailey Zappi is going to replace him. I don't think we see that. I think he has a pretty good year this year. You guys gave, like, thoughtful takes. My take is that I don't know if I fully believe the Lions hype yet. Ooh. I just, I mean, like, I think it's really cool as Mm -hmm. somebody that's a division rival, you know, to see the Lions, you know, maybe getting a little bit of their flowers and getting to open the season against the Chiefs. And, you know, I like that there's a buildup and a hype. I just don't know if I Mm. personally buy into that yet mm-hmm. that's an interesting one because i mean a couple of years ago if you would have said that a team that was expected to be an offensive juggernaut was riding the coattails of jared goff like that would have been kind of a laughable proposal and but that's kind of like where we are right now and as someone who lives in michigan it always feels like like next year is going to be the year for the lions and now i think there are a lot of reasons why that could be the case but the detroit lions always find a way to not figure it out like they're they're always they always even when it feels like it's going to be their year there's always something that comes up that gets in the way and maybe dan campbell has fixed that culture 
and they flipped the switch. But as someone who's always lived in Michigan, I just remain a little bit skeptical that the Lions, they might actually be cursed and it may be something that they can't quite figure out. I think part of the question too, though, is like, the NFC North is as wide open as it's been in 30 years. So are the Lions as good as people think they're going to be? Or is it the fact that they could actually lead a division where the average team is going nine and eight? Mm. That's a good question. We, we've we seen a ton of teams that are like young and then start to progress in a way that they get their expectations set out in front of where they actually realistically are. And I know I just keep mentioning the Browns from three years ago, but that was a team that was supposed to be a juggernaut, right? Led by Baker Mayfield, which seems laughable now, but they, they exploded. Like people were making predictions of them as a sleeper Super Bowl team. Mm -hmm. And then they just completely fell apart. They had to tear it down. Um, And, you know, now they're rebuilding in a really interesting way. And I feel like the Lions are kind of on this like tipping point. Like, is this now the expectations are there? Are they going to go out and achieve those expectations? Or are they just going to fall flat on their face? Because I I Mm -hmm. think I think that's an explosive situation that could go really, really poorly. I think Jamison Williams is a huge linchpin there because, I mean, for me, I'm with Maggie that, like, I don't know that I buy. I've heard some crazy hype about record predictions for the Lions, like, you know, like a one or two loss team. Like, that seems crazy to me. For me, though, when you look at this team, you feel great about the offensive line. If Jared Goff can play good enough. Just the offensive line alone gives you a lot of hope when you sprinkle in Gibbs and some of the other talent, obviously, Amon Ra. If Jamison Williams hits and ha- they have two legitimate weapons that can you know, be effective in that offense outside of the tight end spot and Gibbs, then I think that they can be really explosive and scary. If he doesn't and they still only have the one weapon really on the outside, then I think, then I don't know, like the offense may struggle to be consistent in those ways. So that's a big one. And we may not find out until like week seven, week eight, right? Because he's suspended. So that's going to be a fun one to kind of watch to see what, how that comes together for that offense. Yeah, the Lions definitely taking a big gamble on Jamison Williams. Uh, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packer Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. Find Maggie at Maggie J. Loney and also check out Pax, which she said. Interesting episode this week with Aaron Nagler. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe to the podcast and consider giving us a five-star review. You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every Friday. And next week we'll be back with a preview of the Packers' second preseason game against the aforementioned Mac Jones and the New England Patriots. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... (laughs) 